0: This is the LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealy Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. A federal judge on September 24th preliminarily approved a settlement in which J.P. Morgan Chase Bank will provide a maximum of $19.92 million in cash refunds to members of a class who allege the lender violated the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, or RESPA, when it charged them a post-closing fee with the origination of their residential mortgage loans. Eastern District of New York Judge Charles Sifton also conditionally approved certification of the class, which is comprised of all borrowers who were charged a post-closing fee by the company in connection with residential mortgage loans obtained between September 2001 and December 2008.
1: Sylvia Cohen sued the defendants, alleging that they violated Section 8B of RESPA when they charged an unearned $225 post-closing fee on a loan she and her husband obtained to refinance the loan on their Brooklyn apartment. Chase says the post-closing fee was charged for, among other things, reviewing documents received from the settlement agent to ensure the agent followed Chase's closing instructions, correcting any mistakes in the documents, and retrieving any documents that were missing from the file. The post-closing fee was charged primarily in the New York area until 2007, when Chase shifted to a fee structure that did not include a post-closing fee. According to the ruling, Chase has charged more than 50,000 post-closing fees, ranging from $125 to $325. Chase denies that charging the post-closing fee violated RESPA. Under the settlement agreement, each class member will receive 100% reimbursement of the post-closing fee paid, plus interest at 5% per annum. In addition to the refunds, Chase has agreed to pay attorney's fees and counsel expenses for Cohen and the class, as well as the costs of notice and settlement administration. A final fairness hearing will be held December 22nd. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Amelia's Mortgage Lending Report editor, Shane Dilworth. The Second Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals has affirmed that New York City
0: employees who were required to transport materials to and from work are not owed compensation for their commute time. Three New York City Department of Health and Mental Hygiene employees sued the city, claiming the city required them to transport heavy equipment to their first assigned location for the day and from their last location. They also said they had to prepare equipment at home and complete paperwork without compensation. They alleged the lack of pay violated the Fair Labor Standards Act. The workers appealed after a jury returned a verdict in favor of the city affirming the Second Circuit found the inspectors' commute was not materially altered by their document transport responsibilities, and thus they were not entitled to compensation for their entire commute. In addition, the appellate panel found partial compensation for the commute time added by the tasks was out of the question because any additional commuting time was de minimis as a matter of law. A U.S. bankruptcy court judge on September 24th approved a $24 million settlement payment to the family of a California man who died after he was run over by a Dodge pickup truck. Richard Moraz suffered fatal head injuries in April 2004 when he was run over by a 1992 Dodge Dakota. The truck was left running and the parking brake was not set. Daimler Chrysler denied there was a defect in the truck and contended Moraz did not follow proper safety procedures. Moraz's family sued the automaker, arguing the pickup slipped into reverse after Moraz got out of it. Daimler Chrysler reportedly received more than 1,000 parked reverse complaints involving Dodge Dakotas. The vehicles were involved in a product recall in 2000. In 2007, a jury in Los Angeles awarded Moraz's family $55.4 million including $50 million in punitive damages, finding that a parked reverse defect in the truck's automatic transmission was the cause of death. The jury verdict was appealed. However, in April 2009, the automaker filed for bankruptcy, staying the appeal. The stay was lifted in July in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York, allowing direct negotiations to begin with appeal bond issuer Safeco Insurance Company. Safeco posted an $81 million bond to guarantee payment of the judgment and post-judgment interest. The Second Circuit has held that area route distributors for Snapple Beverage Corporation failed to establish preferential pricing under the Robinson-Patman Act because they failed to establish that they suffered actual injury. Independent area route distributors who contracted with Snapple filed more than 60 separate lawsuits against the company claiming they were charged higher prices and their agreements for exclusive distribution routes were violated when sales were made to trans-shippers. Transshipping is described as a practice whereby an individual or a company purchases a stock of product in the lower-priced territory and then transships it to the higher-priced territory for resale. In affirming a Southern District of New York ruling, the Second Circuit concluded the distributors failed to show the injury to their business was not caused by factors unrelated to Snapple's price discrimination. Circuit Court noted factors unrelated to the defendant's pricing of the Snapple product, such as the convenience of one-stop shopping and the willingness of transshippers to sell at a lower price for profit, can lead to the plaintiffs losing business to transshippers. Noting concerns about compliance with copyright, antitrust, and class action law, the U.S. Department of Justice filed a statement of interest in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York on September 18th offering its thoughts and guidance on the proposed settlement surrounding Google's proposed Google Library Project. In
2: December 2004, Google announced its partnership with several prominent university libraries to create the Google Library Project. The Authors Guild, which represents more than 8,000 writers, sued Google for copyright infringement, protesting the plan to reproduce the author's works without permission. A group of publishers, headed up by McGraw-Hill Companies Incorporated, filed a similar action a month later. After more than two years of negotiations, the parties proposed a $125 million settlement, which included $45 million compensation from Google for class members whose works have already been published in the project, and an allotment of $34.5 million to establish a book rights registry. While agreeing that there would be significant benefits to Google's plan to digitize millions of copyrighted books and other works and make them available online free of charge, the government states that it is clear that Google and the plaintiff author groups clearly did not anticipate all of the difficult legal issues that would arise from the proposed settlement between the parties. Calling the preliminarily approved agreement one of the most far-reaching class-action settlements of which it is aware, the government cautions the parties that the reach of the settlement is typically the kind of policy change implemented through legislation, not through a private judicial settlement. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Cyber CyberTech Editor Mark Rogers.
0: On September 22nd, a number of author groups moved to adjourn the final fairness hearing on the proposed settlement so the parties can work with the Justice Department to address the department's concerns. The fairness hearing was scheduled for October 7th. The Second Circuit on September 21st reinstated two lawsuits against some of the nation's largest generators of carbon dioxide emissions. In a 139-page opinion, the circuit court held the plaintiffs in the cases do not present non-justiciable questions and have standing to bring their claims.
3: In September 2005, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York dismissed two complaints brought by eight states, the City of New York, and three groups accusing electric power companies of contributing to global warming and creating a public nuisance. The states of Connecticut, New York, California, Iowa, New Jersey, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Wisconsin, and the City of New York filed one complaint. The Open Space Institute, Open Space Conservancy Incorporated, and the Audubon Society of New Hampshire filed a second complaint alleging similar claims. However, the appeals court said the plaintiffs have standing under Article Three of the U.S. Constitution in their quasi-sovereign and proprietary capacities. Further, the parties have stated a claim under the federal common law of nuisance. The appellate judges remanded the lawsuits for further proceedings. Defendants include American Electric Power Company, the Southern Company, the Tennessee Valley Authority, Xcel Energy, and Synergy Corporation. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Michael Lefkowitz.
0: Alleging trademark infringement and unfair competition, Weight Watchers International on September 16th sued Nestle USA and Dreyer's Grand Ice Cream in the Southern District of New York over the defendant's unauthorized use of Weight Watchers' points trademarks on product packaging for Lean Cuisine and Skinny Cow food products. According to the complaint, Nestle, maker of Lean Cuisine and Dryers, which makes Skinny Cow, recently began promoting their products with the Weight Watchers' marks directly on their packaging using bright orange stylized fonts and placing the marks directly under the Lean Cuisine and Skinny Cow trademarks. Such actions, according to the complaint, were intended to take unfair advantage of Weight Watchers' established reputation in the weight control field. Weight Watchers notes Nestle is also the parent company of Jenny Craig, one of Weight Watchers' biggest competitors in the weight loss industry. Bayer Corporation has moved to dismiss the combination aspirin marketing and sales practices multi-district litigation before a New York federal court. The company argues the plaintiff's claims were essentially private attempts to enforce the federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Earlier this year, the JPMDL consolidated eight consumer class actions alleging Bayer misrepresented the safety and efficacy of its low-dose combination aspirin products in the Eastern District of New York. Bayer says in its motion to dismiss that courts have, quote, "...repeatedly refused to construe such private attempts to enforce the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act as violations of the state law causes of action that plaintiffs have brought in this litigation. Even if a state were to recognize it a cause of action based on a failure to obtain FDA approval," would be preempted as interfering with the FDA's approval processes. It also argues that because the plaintiffs did not claim they were harmed or that Bayer's products did not work, they have not alleged a cognizable injury. A New York federal judge in mid-September said denial of the Securities and Exchange Commission's proposed settlement with Bank of America Corporation over its multi-billion-dollar merger deal with Merrill Lynch and subsequent payment of executive year-end bonuses is proper. The court said the proposed settlement is unfair, unreasonable, and inadequate. The court denied the proposed consent judgment, which had been filed on the same day, the SEC filed its complaint against Bank of America for allegedly misrepresenting to its investors in a joint proxy report filed with Merrill Lynch that upon closing of its $50 billion acquisition, no discretionary year-end executive bonuses would be paid out. As part of the proposed consent judgment, in which Bank of America denied any wrongdoing, Bank of America would pay a $33 million penalty to the SEC and would be enjoined from issuing any future false misleading statements. The proposed consent judgment is unfair, the court said, because it does not comport with the most elementary notions of justice and morality, in that it proposes that the shareholders who were the victims of the bank's alleged misconduct now pay the penalty for that misconduct. If you'd like more information on these and other New York cases, visit wwwlexisnexiscom slash or totallitigator.com. LexisNexis Legal News New York is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis New York Legal News Podcast, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thank you for listening.